0: Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, The Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week we welcome to The Brew Pub, a homebrewing legend. Even though he might disagree with that, we're yeah. going to disagree with him. It is Denny Khan. Hello, Denny. Hey.
1: Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for asking me to chat. Uh, I I really enjoy talking to you.
0: Absolutely. How have you been?
1: Uh, Very well. Um, I haven't been brewing as much as I would like to, but I hope in the next couple of days to get, get back on track again. Uh, I've got... Uh, some experimental beers i need to brew uh for a seminar we'll hopefully be doing at the homebrew con this summer Mm -hmm. so i gotta jump on that and start doing that
0: and for anyone listening who doesn't know denny is one of the hosts of experimental brewing which is one of the best homebrew podcasts out there and you you have how many episodes
1: let me see here. Uh, uh, we're working on 146 of experimental brewing, and I think we have like 120 or so of the brew files.
0: Oh, wow. I know yeah. I, I dig into your bad catalog quite a lot. <laughs> well,
1: there's, there's plenty of it there. I can, I can hardly stand to go back and listen to some of those early ones because we're so much better now.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all about learning. I mean, you get better the more you do something.
1: Uh, that's very true man that's very true
0: and you know I mean that that's the ultimate lesson I would say for myself is with homebrewing your first batch you ever brewed in my opinion is going to be the best thing you've ever drunk and then once you've been doing it for two or three years you look back upon it and be like what was I thinking so... yeah, well, I, I,
1: well and you know people always ask me you know about tips to become a better homebrewer and for me the number one tip is just brew yeah right The the more you do it the better you'll get uh keep careful notes because if you make a mistake you want to be sure you never do that again Mm -hmm. and if you do something right you want to make sure that you can do that again yeah so you know go out there brew make mistakes learn from them
0: the mistake the mistakes is where the fun happens
1: <laughs> the fun and the panic. because <laughs>
0: well, one of one of my favorite brewing stories of all time uh comes from Stone Brewing, and it was when they moved into the bigger brew house and they were brewing their pail and they tasted it and the head brewer like freaked out that it was wrong and he was visiting his calculations again. And I wanna say it was Greg Cook was like, just drink it and tell me what you think and that was the beer that became arrogant bastard they just took the notes on what they did yeah it's and that's one of my favorite homebrewings or favorite I brewing stories never
1: heard that story before. that's great man i it, love that beer too
0: and that's why it became arrogant bastard because they were arrogant enough to release it
1: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, that that works man <laughs> <Yeah>. that's true <laughs>
0: So welcome to the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in the universe where every beer on tap is brewed by a homebrewer. Except, tap-
1: except for my pub.
0: Except for your pub. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, well, guest homebrewers, let's let's put it that way. Okay. And our tap list has ever grown, which is really exciting. So when you, when you, because you've brewed 500 plus uh
1: 587 i'm up
0: to oh wow so soon your bio is gonna say 600 i hope so (laughs) so when you're when you're approaching uh brewing a beer approaching the recipe like what's your thought process because you do some crazy beers as well i mean you've got the book experimental brewing which is a great read how do you how do you formulate the beer you're gonna gonna make
1: well, first of all, just let me say that that book, there are like two sides of experimental. And it's like the, the crazy beer recipes mainly come from Drew. Mm-hmm. And for me, the experimental side was, uh, you know, testing things to see how they're working and, and stuff like that. You know, more more of the, the quote, science side. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do when I'm starting to get an idea for a beer, I try and like taste it in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, so that so that I have a, a real clear idea of what I, I'm shooting for, you know. Um, I, 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 it's not like the ground-up approach where you just take a bunch of ingredients and put them together and see what you get. I imagine what the final beer will be, and then I try to envision how to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, for instance, that's that's the way my bourbon vanilla porter recipe worked. Uh, mm You know, I had an idea of what I wanted the beer to taste like. So then I started at the bottom and kind of, like, worked my way up to how to get there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm also not very good at hitting things the first time, so I brew a lot of test batches. Uh, My rye IPA uh, was one of those. I think that I brewed 13 test batches.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Well, I was, my wife loves IPAs, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't have 70 IBUs, she's not interested (laughs) in the beer. Um, so I was trying to come up with a a beer for her yearly birthday party. So I kept re-brewing that beer until she said, nope, that's it. And that recipe has never changed a bit since then, you know? So envisioning what you're trying to go for and then brewing test batches and changing things in those test batches until you get to what's in your head is kind of my normal process when I I mean there's, there's also the stuff it's like I've made so many IPAs that I just go okay I want a west coast IPA this is the grist that I use I put hops in here here and here and I go and look in my hop freezer and see what hops it looks like are going to go together Yeah. so so there's there's that kind of thing but for a, a real serious beer, it, it does begin with, you know, tasting it in my head.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you ever, um, you know, try a commercial beer or take a commercial beer as like that inspiration and try and break it down? Or do you try and ignore what the commercial guys are doing and really just, you know, as you say, taste it in your head 100%?
1: I, you know, it, it's not necessarily one or the other. It, you know, it, it depends on what the commercial beer is and what my goals are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for instance, West Mall Triple, one of my absolute favorite beers in the world. When I was in Belgium, it was hard for me to drink anything else spite <laughs> of the, the plethora of beers that they had because there was fresh West Mall Triple there all the time, and I mm-hmm. just loved it. So when I brew my own version of that, you know, I, I go dig out my copy of Brew Like a Monk and Stan tells you what's in it and how to brew that beer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the way I do it. Uh, you know, same thing with like a, a German Pilsner, you know, if I want to make something like a Bitburger, I'd take a look at like what's in Bitburger and do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, I, I don't necessarily like go to a brew pub and say, uh, you know the stout is really good i want to brew this at home you know yeah. uh, the closest i might do is try and figure out what's in it and maybe use a bit of that in my next brew mm-hmm. but you know i i guess i don't really have a a set process for doing that you know? yeah some sometimes i do look at commercial beers and and, and influenced by them and sometimes it's just like, okay, I just want a beer that tastes like this.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, um, one, one of the um, most inspirational speeches I've ever heard uh, about brewing uh, came at Homebrew when it was in Denver a number of years ago. And Peter Buchert, uh, forgive me if I mispronounced his name, who uh, <laughs> was uh, at New Belgium at the time, uh was talking about his theory of formulating a beer recipe and stuff like that, and you know he was showing these slides, and there was one that with this blue metal staircase going up the outside of a building, mm-hmm. and he said, "I want a beer that reminds me of this shade of blue <laughs> right but not not i mean he wasn 't talking about a blue beer right? yeah he held up a glass and said, I want a beer that fits in this glass perfectly, yeah, right." Um, and it, it was—it's that kind of of abstract thinking as opposed to oh yeah, I want a beer with like these chocolate notes and mm-hmm. these these tropical hops and stuff like that. That was really inspirational to me. So I, I try to return to that when I'm I'm looking for inspirations for a, a beer. You yeah. know? Uh, i I want I want a beer with kind of undefinable characteristics. <laughs> How's that?
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I love it because it's... So much of taste and smell is an emotional experience. Yeah, I mean, right. I remember the first time I came to the United States as a kid, I can still... We went to Florida, and I can still smell that grass
1: oh, um, cool.
0: when, when we got out of the airport, and so now when we go to florida i smell that and because is it i think it's crabgrass i think um but i smell that and it takes me back to being like nine years old the first time i came to the united states and i think you know i mean putting in the context of beer like i've brewed beers in honor of special occasions or You know, we've gone on vacation somewhere and had a beer and it's like, all right, I am totally stealing this idea. It won't be the same beer, but at least this pineapple mango flavor is going to remind me of that one trip.
1: Yeah, well, and that was like the kind of like how I came up with the the Ballantine ish also, right? Mm -hmm. I I knew that I was not going to be able to clone that beer to come up with something that tastes like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, For one reason, because I've never had it. I don't don't know what (laughs) the target is that I'm shooting for. So I just took ingredients that they probably used and put together something in in the spirit of that beer.
0: Yeah. And the Ballantinish, um, if you go to everyone listening is gonna be like, Wow, he's just plugging pop culture brews. Um if you go to uh
1: You should, you should <laughs> need to know about it.
0: Thank you. If you go to our Screwball comedy episode uh with Denny, the Ballantineish uh ale is was just fantastic beer and I'm actually I cloned it myself. Like I took your recipe and made it myself and I'm drinking it right now and I just love that beer. It was so delicious
1: man I'm really happy I'm I, I, that was one of those it was a total shot in the dark <laughs> and I, I, I was happy that it came out well I have about the last quarter of a keg on tap now
0: oh wow um so with the balatine ale that being the first time that you brewed it do you consider that a test batch or are you that's now that's that's the bit I'm
1: I'm happy with it if I ever brew it again it, I'll brew it exactly like that um you know, as you mentioned one of the hops, the Cluster Fugget is really hard to find. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I may not brew it until I can find that again.
0: Yeah. I so Cluster Fugget is uh, uh it's a crossbreed of three hops, which is Cluster, Fuggle and Nugget. Um, yeah, yeah. It,
1: it's it's a blend, it's not really a crossbreed. Oh, blend. okay. They, they take all three of those hops and they blend them together into one mix. Uh, okay. Yakima Chief does a lot of that. They have their pink boot—excuse oh, me, pink boots blend. They have their veterans blend. They have the uh, Falconers Flight blend. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: you know, they what they do is you know they they rub different hops and try and figure out what's going to go together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, for their veterans blend, they bring in veterans every year and who are brewers and these guys sit there and do that. Pink, uh, pink boots blend. Boy, that's that's a tongue twister. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they bring in members of the pink boots society and they rub hops and go, okay, this much of this one with this much of this one, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it, it. They come up with some really interesting stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So with with clusterfugger, because when I when I made my version, I just assumed because it took two ounces in dry, mm-hmm. I just took the idea that it would be. Two thirds of an ounce of cluster, two third like equal measurements of each one. Might be. yeah. Might be. No. so. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: I, I really don't know the proportions of their blend. Uh, they were they were handing it out at homebrew con a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago. They mm. come up with the, the blend, um, and. Uh, you know you have to love the name of course it's a great name <laughs> when you first said it, i was like can
0: we have that on this show <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah right i i think that was the kind of reaction they were going for uh, but yeah and i don't know what the blend is and I, I hope that they make some more sometime because i really really enjoy that blend a lot yeah
0: it's a it's a lot of fun yeah so when you're when you're brewing your um different beers do you cuz I know you are using an electric system
1: I am these days yes
0: um, do you change up your process um, depending on the style of beer, or do you do you take you know what you have found works for you and run with that
1: yeah I, I, that's pretty much what I do uh, every once in a while I'll do insane things like. A step mash or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because with these electric all in ones, that is so easy to do. Yeah. Uh, I have yet to convince myself I'm getting any real benefits from that for the <laughs> kinds of beer that I brew and the malts that I brew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that every once in a while, you know, I'll do it again just to see if I've changed my mind about things. Yeah. Uh, if it was more difficult, I wouldn't do it, but because <laughs> I'm functionally lazy.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I'm the same way. <laughs>
1: you know, uh, since the day that I started brewing, everything I do has been driven by being lazy. Yeah. Right. Uh, my motto is the best beer possible uh, with the least effort possible while having the most fun possible. Yeah. Um, and the least effort possible part is really important. Uh, I don't want to cut corners and leave out anything that will, uh, you know, have a negative impact on, on the beer that I'm brewing. On the other hand, I don't want to waste time doing stuff that doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what was really driving a lot of my early homebrew experimentation. Uh, what do I really need to do? What can I just say, screw that? We're gonna <laughs> save ourselves 20 <laughs> minutes and, and some time here. That way uh, I, I get done brewing 20 minutes earlier and I can go have a beer.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I'm, one of, I'm one of those people who doesn't drink while I'm brewing. So yeah. I, I tend to start early and try and get finished by like one or two and then start drinking. Well, there you
0: go. Yeah, that, that was a hard lesson for me to learn because when I was younger, a brew day meant a drink day. And I will be honest, there are beers I don't remember finishing and how they turned out drinkable. I will <laughs> never know. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I learned was that if you limit yourself to two, if you do want beers while you brew, which I generally enjoy that... You're gonna have a much better brew day.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it comes down to the laziness thing again, though. If I have a couple beers while I'm brewing, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to like do any of the work at the end of the brew day, any of the cleanup or anything. You yeah. Know? It's just like screw that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tired. I've been drinking. I just don't feel like cleaning up. And I'm, I'm so OCD that I can't get by with not cleaning up at the end of the brew day. <laughs> yeah. So uh you know um i'm i 'm so o c d that i 'm actually c d o because the letters are in the right order <laughs> that <way. laughs>
0: i i'm gonna say so i i mean so as you know, I just went to electric because you gave me that yeah. great advice on getting the father s forty um One of the things I love about it because when heating up your strike water before when I was on my propane i would be up every minute checking the temperature as if like a big difference had happened. And now I can just set it, leave the lid on, go inside, have a cup of coffee, and then yeah. come out 20 minutes later and the water is where I need it to be.
1: Uh, isn't that wonderful, man? Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the electric, I mean, the electric all-in ones are great. And I I have to admit that I spent a lot of years with a, a cooler and mm-hmm. a propane burner and a converted keg kettle and all that stuff. and And I loved it and I made a lot of great beer But the first time I tried an electric all-in-one, it's like, well, crap, this is so (laughs) much easier. And, you know, it didn't negatively affect the beer quality that I was getting. So why wouldn't you want to make your brew day easier and more fun?
0: Yeah. Although I do love you say that you're no longer messing around with a cooler, but your Zoom background right now are (laughs) four coolers drying in the autumn sun.
1: Well, that's... (laughs) that's from uh that's from uh teacher friend to homebrew day many years ago when i had a, a bunch of members of my club out yeah and we were all using the same system mm-hmm. uh but yeah you know um that's that's what it was. I, mean, I still have that cooler mm-hmm. sitting out in the garage on top of a whole bunch of other equipment that I never use anymore.
0: <laughs> See, well, I, my my friend was like, "Oh, you're going to sell your propane stuff." And I'm like, "No, cuz now I can brew 2 beers in a day without breaking a sweat." So, yeah.
1: Well, and the, the other thing I discovered about propane stuff is if uh, you live in an area that can be plagued by storms and you lose your power, yeah. It's very handy having that stuff
0: around. <laughs> um one one question I do have you for um uh for electric brewing um is did you go so a lot of the electric brewing systems come in with a uh, a metal basket that you can put your grain in lift out let drain in mm-hmm. have you gone are you still doing a batch sparge method with it or have you gone to a more brew in the bag style?
1: No, I'm still basically doing a batch sparge. Um, okay. I I know that with the grandfather stuff, there's a lot of people doing no sparge. And, you know, when I first realized that was happening, I kind of went, well, you idiot, you could be doing that. (laughs) But but I haven't yet. I'm still doing a sparge because it's it's quick and easy. Uh, You know, while the uh, brew is going on, I have a, a five gallon pot on an induction plate and I heat up sparge water in there. And then I pour in as much as I can get at the time. So yeah. it's not exactly batch sparging and it's not exactly fly sparging. I, I guess it would kind of be like flat sparging, <laughs> uh, you know, or, or bligh, something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, I, I, I do basically stick with some variation of batch sparging just because
0: mm-hmm. it's faster and easier. Fair enough. I, I've tried, so I brewed on it twice, and I've tried to do kind of a brew in a bag style both times. Mm-hmm. And when I made the Ballantinish ale, um, I'm not the world's smartest guy. Um, and i didn't think about well this is an 18 pound of grain beer recipe <laughs>
1: oh, yeah
0: and i had a friend round who wanted to learn how to brew so you know i'm doing the old show off thing I'm like oh yeah you do this and then like seeing me lift this thing out he's like dude you need help i'm like no pride
1: <laughs> <laughs> i went would- I went to a G70 before I did the uh, the G40. Yeah. Um, and that thing, you know, you can do 15-gallon batches in there. And I've had, like, oh, geez, when I did a – I, like, do a lot of 12-gallon batches of IPAs so that I can keep my wife's supply. And, you know, <laughs> I go on and brew other stuff. But that ends up with being, like, say, 33 pounds of grain,
0: Yeah. you
1: know, th- that I'm using. <laughs> uh gray eight pounds of grain absorbs a gallon of water so that's four gallons of water absorbed water weighs eight pounds, eight pounds a, a gallon. gallon so that's so that's like you know 64 pounds <laughs> that i have in that grain basket in the g70 yeah so i you know before i started using that sucker i put up a hoist <laughs> <laughs> an, an electric winch yeah uh, hanging hanging above it to lift that so uh I make use of that even for the G40 and smaller
0: batches cause, I'm you know, smart
1: <laughs> I'm, well you know it's taken me 70 years to get smart enough to do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> so for our ever growing tap list what is the beer you're going to be adding to the tap list of the homebrew pub
1: picking one is like trying to pick your favorite <laughs> but you favorite keep tap. so many notes <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I I know, but you know, I mean, it it really depends on what kind of mood I'm in, mm-hmm. you know? Um of course the Rye IPA is right up there uh at or towards the top of the list. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I would I would also if it, if it was going to be my homebrew pub that I was running, mm-hmm. uh, I'd also have to have a German Pilsner. I'd have to have a Belgian Triple. Uh, I have, I have now started, I mean, it's like when I started brewing, I brewed nothing but dark beers and then I burned out on those. And in the last 20 years, I've hardly brewed any at all. And suddenly I'm getting back into porters again. Yes. So I would, I would probably put my Nick Danger Porter recipe on tap. Um, you know, uh, the, the wee shroomy, the, uh, wee heavy with chanterelle mushrooms. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is an astoundingly good beer. Uh, One that you really can't make unless you can go forage the chanterelles yourself, because otherwise there would be about $250 worth of mushrooms in the
0: beer. Oh my god.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. Uh, You know, so so it's like i was saying my, my favorite beer is very much situational you know yeah uh, uh, if i'm sitting out on my deck on a 90 degree day i'm gonna want a, a german pills mm-hmm. uh, if it's if it's like right now in the winter and it's 40 degrees and pouring rain then that's a good day to uh, to sip a porter and just stare at the rain
0: yeah and it's called the nick danger porter
1: Nick Danger, yeah. Um, this, is, this is one that I went through a lot of test matches on because uh, it's when carafa malt had just started becoming popular and uh, people had just started doing uh, like Vorloff editions of dark malts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I went all out on trying to make it smoother, you know, smooth out those dark grains and everything. And I eventually got it so smooth it was insipid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was no no character to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of went back the other way, even added just a touch of black patent malt to it to give it just a little bit of bite. And I utilized something I had learned from the, the Rye IPA. That uses a combination of Columbus and, and Mount Hood hops, uh, you know, in, in effect doing something german which is the mount hood background mm-hmm. along with something very american and uh, you know when i when i first gave that beer to uh, to john meyer who was the brewer at rogue for many many years he was like going geez i never would have thought of this how did you come up with it and i was like eh, dumb luck <laughs> <laughs> so but when i got to the porter i thought okay i really like the way that german and american hops can play together so that porter uses Tettnanger and Cascade, and I don't think I've ever seen another beer with that combination of hops. Yeah, and it, it it works really well because it 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 gives that that the malt is smooth, but just a bit of of back of your palate bite mm-hmm. from from the black patent. Yeah, and then. You get the the fruitiness, the grapefruity from the Cascades. so it's it's fruity, but with a a bit of bitter to it. And the Tettnanger has that wonderful herbal, flowery character to it, and it it just all comes together, you know, uh, in, in a kind of like a a combination of stuff you never would have thought of yeah. work together.
0: <laughs> and and why the name Nick Danger?
1: Uh, it was named after one of my cats who just recently left us. So. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick Danger, yeah. Uh, and Nick Danger comes from, uh, if you're as old as me, there's this comedy group around back in the 60s called Firesign Theater that was hysterically funny and mm-hmm. made tons of drug references. So, uh. <laughs> So, so we named the cat Nick Danger, uh, and I have a, a tendency to uh, name beer recipes after my pet, after my pets. Uh, also, awesome. you know, yeah, one, I had one, one cat named Fuzzy, and I just couldn't see naming a beer Fuzzy.
0: Uh, I, if I bet, if you did a New England IPA,
1: that ain't he... never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We have found the one experiment. <laughs> oh, man. I,
1: you know, I have never found one of those that I cared for at all. You really? And, and, you know, I, I'm not so close-minded that I don't try them every once in a while just to see if I'll change my mind. But uh, i that's just one of those styles that, you know, I'm not into whatsoever.
0: Is it? Is it the how kind of like fruity the hops are or or what is it about them
1: it's the astringency from the massive late hop additions yeah uh i can feel the grittiness in my mouth uh after i have one uh, i feel like i need another beer to just wash all that out of my mouth you know um I, i had a good friend who sent me 10 or 12 of the best new england ipas and there wasn't one of them that I actually cared for. Really? Uh, yeah. And and again, it it really comes down to that gritty mouth feel, mm-hmm. um, and and the low bitterness also. It, it it's kind of like you drinking orange juice with some sort of like. Powder in it or something. You know?
0: <laughs> I, I feel like some of them taste like orange juice after you've cleaned your teeth. And I'm saying this is someone who likes New England IPAs. Yeah. But I do know I do agree what you're talking about with like that grittiness and that orange juice flavor.
1: Yeah. Well, and not to mention the fact that they're ugly as hell. But you know, <laughs> I I'll, I'll put that aside. You know, I can I can get over that if the beer was actually taste, it was to my taste. I shouldn't yeah. say if it was actually tasty because obviously a lot of people like them but i'm not one of those
0: people they they do look like that you forgot to put the well flock in
1: yeah um, or, or worse you know i see people posting pictures on facebook of them and they go isn't this beautiful like, <laughs> no it's not but i don't tell them that because they're proud of the beer they made.
0: so um on on the flip side then what is one beer that i mean you do a lot of test batches, so you might have revisited it, but what is the beer that you would not want to make again? And if it's a New England IPA, I'm going to love that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, no, because I would have had to make one to start with in order to make it again. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, um, I remember many years... (laughs) This is really weird. I, I remember many years ago, I had a dream... And in the dream, I was in the Old West walking down a boardwalk outside a saloon and they had a sign up I I can't remember the exact name that I saw on the sign, but it was like, you know Nugget something or other, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I I took this dream to be a sign and I, I planted Nugget hops, I went out and I bought a bunch, I made a beer that was all Nugget and it was like Freaking disgusting! <laughs> uh, I think I think it was a porter that used all of Nugget, and I is long enough ago I can't remember exactly what was disgusting about it. Uh, I just remember that I swore that I would never brew this beer again, and I tore out the Nugget hops that I was growing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is is Nugget a common hop to use with a porter? I mean, I would have thought porters would be. I mean, you tell me because I'm probably misremembering. Are Nuggets, British hops. I thought they were American. No, they're American. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you
1: know, I'm, I make American beers, and I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Andrew, but I'm not a big fan of British beers. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and that's totally cool. Um, yeah. But so, is Nugget then a common hop to use with porters? Because I mean, most porters I've made or look at, they tend to use like the Fuggle, the EKG, and and all of those. So, is is was it like the wrong style for the wrong hop?
1: you know maybe uh this was this was early on in my brewing career when i had only been brewing for a few years and again i didn't even bother looking to see if nugget was a commonly used hop (laughs) for a porter Uh, it came to me in a dream man (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know so so i was i was following my muse i thought and i did it who knows it was because of the nugget hops if it was because of some something I did in making the beer Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't really know I just remember I didn't like it (laughs) Uh, and I can I can think of one other that I made really early on uh, when I was brewing in uh, in Charlie's uh, the new complete joy of brewing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he has a recipe for a goat scrotum porter I I, I mean, I'm sure that anybody who's ever seen that book remembers that recipe due to the name. Yeah. But he has this whole list of things that you can add to it. (laughs) Um, And I didn't really know about what most of them would do, and I especially didn't realize that probably you shouldn't be adding more than one of them. (laughs) Uh, I I took this porter and I added a lot of molasses and spruce tips. Ooh. It came out tasting like very bad
0: cough syrup. I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it was it was not a good idea. I blame it on Charlie. He shouldn't <laughs> have given me the idea.
0: <laughs> I I mean I can I can see adding molasses to a dark Beer like that, but adding spruce tips just yeah.
1: Again, you know, I'd only been brewing for a year or two. I didn't know. I had a spruce <laughs> tree in my backyard. <laughs> Let's give it a go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I've done, when I started, I did a few experiments that I perhaps shouldn't have, like a peppered American wheat, um, oh, where I really overdid the black pepper, but I drank oh, it yeah. out of just pure pride. And my wife's <laughs> like, you can throw it out. I'm like, no, it's delicious! And oh, man. Never made it yeah, again.
1: I, I hear about people, I, I hear from people who say, man, this batch of beer I made is terrible but i'm gonna drink it to teach myself a lesson (laughs) you freaking idiot life is too short to drink bad beer yeah yeah you know uh pour it out move on Mm -hmm. do something
0: else Uh, i mean it hurts but
1: (laughs) yeah it does but it doesn't hurt nearly as much as forcing yourself to drink something you don't want to drink yeah i mean i do that with beers that i brew that I just discover after I brewed them, I don't like them. There's yeah. nothing necessarily wrong with them, mm-hmm. but it's like if I have a keg that's on tap for four months and I've only had three glasses out of it, that's that's a sign that that beer doesn't need to be there anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll call up one of my friends. I have a you know a, a friend who lives nearby who's a home brewer, and he's very good for taking beer off my hands <laughs> if I have too much <laughs> or something. But there's some of it that even he doesn't want.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you heard it here, Denny's brewing friend is not that cons- uh disconcerting when it comes to beer. So- <laughs> oh no. Brand, if you're listening to this, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will we will definitely add the Nick Danger to the the tap list and uh not the spruce tip molasses porter. <laughs> no,
1: no, not no goat scrotum, <laughs> If, if you have charlie's book and you're tempted to brew that brew it straight please. yes it's probably a pretty decent porter before i put all that other crap in.
0: <laughs> and i mean i always tout that whenever there's um someone new to brewing they're like oh what should i read that is the one book i recommend over all others
1: it it's a great book for the attitude yes um it's it's a little bit light on best brewing practices and stuff. Although you know there are a lot of us who got started with that book. Mm-hmm. I think these days, I would recommend uh, How to Brew as, mm-hmm. as the first book, in terms of the the brewing science and procedures. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, recommend Charlie's book to kind of temper that and give the other side of things. Yeah, because Charlie's Charlie's book. Gets across how easy and fun it is to make beer.
0: Completely, and I mean, because one of th- my favorite book of his is actually the Microbrewed Adventures, his travel log about beer. Oh,
1: I have not read that one yet.
0: It is such an easy read; like you can tear through it in like two sittings. Oh, um wow. But again, it's that attitude of going around Europe and the world and trying these different beers. And then at the back of the book, he's got all these clone recipes of beers that he's described throughout it. Um and it's yeah it's a great read.
1: Wow, I'll have to check that out for sure.
0: Some of the, some of it's a little outdated now because he keeps referring to seven percent beers as a whopping seven percent, and <laughs> <laughs> we're now at the point where that's average. So yeah, right, I know. <laughs>
1: uh, it's amazing, isn't it? I've I've been trying to like, trend my beers to be a little bit lower alcohol as I get older, mm-hmm. but i have a hard time keeping the flavor right fewer ingredients means less flavor that no matter how you how you do it uh so i you know what i'm really trying to do then is you know maybe stick with the stronger beers and force myself to drink less of it (laughs) that's a that's a that's a real big thing these days
0: yeah i was gonna say british beers have a lot of flavor and low alcohol but
1: (laughs) yeah well, you know, <laughs> you
0: know that, man. But
1: there's there's a, a lot of good beers, a lot of good low-alcohol beers yeah. out there, you know, if you look for them. Uh, I, spent, I spent several years coming up with a recipe for an American mild. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it actually turned out really well. I, it turned out the key to that was to use a really good craft malt, so you got the maximum flavor for the minimum amount of ingredients. Uh, and it, it turned out really well, but I've also found that since I came up with the final version of that recipe, I haven't brewed it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what's with that.
0: <laughs> so as we sit here in the mystical homebrew pub that changes yeah. to the visiting brewers' desires of what they want from a brew pub, what is what would be the brew pub you would open and what would it be called?
1: it would be called it's only freaking beer (laughs) (laughs) because that is something that homebrewers and beer drinkers need to get through their head Mm -hmm. it's for it's for enjoyment it's for sharing with friends it's not for taking seriously and arguing about as as happens all too often Mm -hmm. so yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about this all week, and my pub would be called It's Only Freaking <laughs> Beer. There would be no hazies, no pastry scouts, <laughs> uh, you know? It, it would be straight-ahead, normal beer.
0: Fair enough. And uh, what would, what would like, the, the look and feel of it be, um, doing away with all those crazy beers?
1: look and feel uh comfy uh a lot of wood uh tables with comfy chairs maybe some couches with low tables uh probably no tvs mm-hmm. because i'm not a sports fan by any stretch of the imagination except for maybe the world series yep uh, um, so you know I would want it to be a place where you could come and relax and be comfortable, uh, delicious snacks, uh, and, uh, you know, a, a place to come and hang out with your friends and, and relax and take it easy.
0: Nice. Well, everyone come and join us at the, it's only freaking beer brew pub in That's parentheses, right. no Facebook groups and, <laughs> <laughs> and get a pint of Nick danger.
1: Yeah, that's really it, man. Uh, you know, that, I'll, I'll make that the recipe that I'll send you because uh, it isn't as publicized as some of the other ones that I've done, and mm-hmm. it's a great beer that I would like people to try out.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much. Sure. So, yeah, so, um, go to the show notes. The recipe for uh, Nick Danger is in there, so feel free to brew and drink along.
1: <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> uh, I'll be having a pint, too, if it's a cold, rainy day.
0: Beautiful. Again, totally want to thank Denny Khan for coming on. That was absolutely amazing and is always such a treat to be able to talk to him um but yes please go to the show notes and check out the recipe for the nick danger porter and of course thank you so much for listening if you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast that'll just help other people find the show if you want to reach out to us possibly come on and share a pint with me you can reach us at our website thehomebrewpub.com or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com or on social at the homebrew pub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the homebrew pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a mug club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers.